It is a real blessing to be back on Search the Scriptures today. It's always great to be able to get together with our listeners, open up God's Word, and try to learn more from those rich teachings and truths. You know, there are so many promises there and assurances, guidelines, and yes, corrections, and even rebukes and warnings, but all of them put together by God to guide us to the best life that we can possibly live on this, on this earth. And it's a real blessing that we have his word to guide us along that direction. We appreciate you tuning in, and we hope that you are doing so on as regular a basis as you possibly can. We really do believe that the best thing that we can do for people on this program is to simply teach the Bible, to get them ready for eternity if they will follow along with those teachings that we go through on a daily basis. And we hope that you are coming to that point as you learn the Bible better, that you are coming to the point where you can make your decision as to what you're going to do about God's will for your life. And we do care about you, we pray about you, pray for you all the time that you will come to make that right decision. We'd love to hear from you, either by mail or email or telephone or best of all, in person. Just met another lady recently who uh, visited with us here at Sunny Slope, uh, been listening to the program from time to time, and it was great to see her. And so many have gone through those doors and visited with us face to face. We appreciate so much the opportunity to meet our visitors, but we know many of you live in areas far away from Omaha, and we uh, know that you don't have the opportunity to be here in person. And we appreciate hearing from many of you through emails and telephone calls and regular mail, and we, we hope that you will avail yourself of that opportunity as you feel the need. And we pray, again, that this program is helping you to come closer to God, to grow spiritually, and to get you ready for eternity. It's great to be here to study along with Dwayne Kennedy. Thank you, Gary. It's good to hear from you that another person who listens regularly has come to visit with us. That's our goal. That's what we encourage our audience to do. And it's always nice to know that they are, in fact, doing that. You are so encouraging every time you walk through our doors. And it lets us know that you have joined us in study of God's Word. And God's Word has brought you to study further, giving glory to Him. It's also good to be on the program with you, Gary, and with Dennis Stackhouse. Thank you, Duane and Gary. I am certainly blessed to be part of the program with you both today. Glad to be here. Glad to have our listeners tuned in to search the scriptures. You know, I appreciate, Gary, in your opening remarks, you said that God sometimes gives warnings or rebukes in his word, and yet ultimately it's for our good. And so often when we think about a warning or a correction, a rebuke, however we want to phrase it, we think of that in a negative light. Don't like it, do we? We don't like it. You're right. <laughs> and yet, you know, as you were indicating, God puts those things in his word along with the encouragement and the promises and the hope and all of those things we really like for our benefit. He knows far better than we know what it is we need in our lives. And he's put it there to keep us on the right track. And that, of course, is the track that leads to heaven. Amen. And uh, sometimes we need those chastisements as well as we need those words of encouragement. We really do. 
Well, God is our father and he, like a father, disciplines us because yes. he loves us. He does. Absolutely. Now, we're going to get back into this study that we have uh, been going through over the last few days. Then we're going to spend a little bit of time in this particular series of studies entitled Upward, Inward, and Outward. We've talked about how there are many people looking for something today. And I don't know that there's ever been a time where we seem to be so focused on finding happiness and yet finding it so elusive. I, as I pointed out in an earlier program in the study, I'm not sure that uh, we really understand, at least a lot of people, what happiness is all about. And certainly we don't understand where to find it in many cases because there's so much evidence to the contrary. Hmm. Looking in all the wrong places, superficial momentary pleasures, often related with sinful practices, and even some that are pretty destructive and dangerous mm-hmm. to our yes. well-being, and yet people are trying to find happiness out there. Mm-hmm. People think that it's found in money and things that money can buy, materialism, and yet how many times do we turn on the television and listen to the news or hear it on the radio or see it in the newspaper where some extremely wealthy individual has just gone into a pattern of self-destruction mm-hmm. and sometimes leading to suicide or, mm-hmm. or taking their life accidentally, you know, mm-hmm. through drug overdoses and things like that. Well, that doesn't indicate a great deal of happiness. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Certainly not deep, abiding, fulfilling happiness. So what we've been looking at is where can we find this happiness Where can we find fulfillment, direction, hope in our lives? And this first part of this study focuses on, first, we've got to look upward. Mm -hmm. We've got to recognize God. Yes. And we've got to recognize that he is God and that he is a God of glory and magnificence. Mm -hmm. We looked at a number of passages, Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 21 and chapter 10 and verse 17 and Nehemiah 1 and verse 5 and Psalm 47 and verse 2 and Daniel 9 and verse 4, all of them talking about the glory and magnificence. In fact, the word awesome is used over and over again. Yes. Mm -hmm. In those texts, I think we find it in each one, actually. Yes. That's a word that is used repeatedly in our uh, contemporary language. Mm -hmm. Everything is awesome. Yeah. Well, God is truly awesome. He's an awesome right. God. And we need to recognize that. Now, we've also noted that God is omnipotent. And what does that mean? All-powerful. All yeah, all-powerful, almighty, absolutely beyond any limitations as far as his power is concerned. In fact, in Ephesians 3 and verse 20, we read where he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Mm -hmm. And that's a quotation. Mm -hmm. It is. Beyond our imagination. Now, we also noted that God is holy. Uh, Holy and awesome is his name. Psalm 111 and verse 9. And there are so many passages that point to the holiness of God. You know, Dwayne, a lot of times people get a position of power and they become corrupt. Yes. Morally, 
But God not only is all powerful, but he is all holy too. Yes. Completely holy. Now, let's turn to Psalm 11 in verse 7 and uh, ask you to read that if you would, Dwayne. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. Now, it might be something of a no-brainer to say that if God is completely holy, that he is also totally righteous. But I wanted to make that point as well. Yes. He is absolutely righteous. Mm -hmm. Dennis, in Psalm 145, in verse 17, what does that say? The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. Righteous in all his ways. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, Dwayne and Dennis, you fellas are pretty righteous fellas. From all of my uh, experience with you and my, my relationships with you, going over quite a number of years now, I, I think uh, I could classify each of you as being righteous. But you're not righteous in all of your ways all of the times, are you? No, not at all. Neither no. am I. Well, none of us as humans are. And that's the point. That's yes. Right. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's Romans right. 3 and verse 23. And that's the contrast that we see in that uh, 145th Psalm. God is righteous in all his ways. All the time. All the Excluding time. none. He doesn't have a bad day, does he? No. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> making mistakes here in one day, every and once in a while. He's not tempted with the evil and does not tempt us with it. That's mm -hmm. right. Yes. Totally, completely righteous all of the time. And we could say in all ways. Absolutely. In Daniel chapter 9 and verse 14, what do we read there, Dwayne? Therefore, the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us for the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does though we have not obeyed his voice he is righteous in all the works that he does again we're not talking about somebody who puts forth an appearance of righteousness but then somewhere in the background under the cover of privacy they're involved in all manner of evil, wickedness, sinfulness. How many times do we, again, read the papers, see the news, hear the news and the radio, and uh, find out about somebody who has put forth a really convincing front that that's a really righteous, a good person. And then we find out, boy, in private, they have been doing anything but being righteous. Far too many times. Yes, but God is not like that. He is righteous in all of his works, in all of his ways. He is righteous. The Apostle John really emphasized this particular point, characteristic of God, in 1 John chapter 1. Uh, and he, he makes the point that there is complete righteousness in God. In, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, how does that read, Dennis? This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. There is no darkness at all. None. Now, we're, we're looking at light and darkness used as illustrations. Mm -hmm. The light 
representing righteousness, mm -hmm. the darkness representing unrighteousness, evil, mm -hmm. wickedness, sinfulness. Mm -hmm. And boy, that's succinct, yes. isn't it? Absolutely is. God does not just have a lot of light in him. God is light. Mm -hmm. And in him is no darkness at all. Now that is so absolute that the next verse says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, that is walk in sinfulness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Mm -hmm. Not living by the truth. We, we need to own up to that. If we are living in sin, we, we do not have fellowship with God. It's one or the other, isn't it? Yeah. If we want to have fellowship with him, we, we've got to stop walking in darkness. We cannot live in sin and, and walk with God at the same time. No. That's right. We need to understand that and we need to act accordingly. In Matthew chapter 19 and verse 17, let's go a little farther here, Dwayne. So he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. This is an interesting text. Uh, many will quickly, you know, remember this as being the text where the rich young man comes to Jesus and he asks him, good master, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Mm -hmm. And Jesus's response is really the, the point that we're trying to emphasize here. He asks him, why do you call me good? Mm -hmm. There is none good but one, and that is God. Mm-hmm. Now that's interesting. So when we talk about good people, we're, we're really talking about from a human perspective right. mm -hmm. and not absolute because absolute, there's only one being who's good. That is God. Yes. Totally righteous, totally good. And it, it's been suggested that Jesus is asking the young man, do you think I'm God? And of course the answer, the, the correct answer should be yes, you're God the Son. Mm -hmm. And perhaps Jesus was trying to allude to that fact saying, hey, you're calling me good? Mm -hmm. Well, it is appropriate because I am God the Son. But he, at the same time, he gives us this lesson in, in absolute goodness, only God is absolutely good. Very interesting, and again, very instructive for us. We need, to, we need to recognize that particular point. Now, God is not only the creator, and he's not only omnipotent. He's not only full of grace and mercy. He's not only holy and righteous, but God is also a God of all grace. In 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse 10, what do we read there? But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Now, Dennis, why don't you give us a nutshell summary of grace in about five seconds? Well, I'd like to do that, Gary, but uh, unfortunately, I don't think I can. You know, we, we're probably familiar with a lot of definitions of grace that we've heard down through the years from 
different sources. Uh, one that's been very popular is to think of grace as being unmerited favor. And certainly that is appropriate. It's nothing that we as human beings merit. It's a gift from God. And I think if we look forward, as you're suggesting, a nutshell five-second definition of it, I might say something like, grace is something that every human being desperately needs, and yet it's something that none of us deserves. Now, when you say unmerited favor, the mm -hmm. idea of meriting something, and I think mm -hmm. you put that very well, is the idea of having it coming or earning it. Trying to earn it, exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, another way, and, and you used another word later on in your, your description, uh, the word deserve. Yes. Now, that's a little yes. bit different, perhaps, than, than mm -hmm. merit, meriting mm -hmm. or earning. Mm -hmm. But you may, ultimately, you made the point. We neither merit God's grace, nor do we deserve God's grace. We right. do not. On the other hand, we've, uh, we've earned and deserve his wrath because we have been mm -hmm. his enemies. We're his enemies, how so, Dwayne? Well, we stand against him. We work against his will. We are his adversaries. We stand in the way of his will. We do everything we can to sin. And that's the key. Yeah. When we sin, when we live in sin particularly, we turn against God. Yes. And it's, it's interesting that in the text, in, in Romans chapter 5, verses 8 through uh, actually verses 6 through 10, it actually refers to mankind in the sinful state living in sin as being enemies of God. Right. Mm -hmm. It also uses the term ungodly. Mm -hmm. Christ died for the ungodly. Yes. 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 And, and so lost in that state and hopeless were we in that state that only through God sending Christ into this world with the gospel and ultimately going to the cross as part of the gospel message of salvation did we have an opportunity to be reconciled, that is brought back into a right relationship of God and have our sins forgiven. That's right. And Christ gave us that opportunity at reconciliation, the text says, while we were still enemies of God. Because there's no other way that it could have been because while we were in sin, we were God's enemies. That's right. Now we're not talking here about an individual who is living a faithful Christian life and then momentarily he slips and he commits a sin. And then he's immediately, you know, uh, recognizant of it. He, he, you know, recognizes it. He is, is humble. He's sorrowful. He's repentant. And he seeks God's forgiveness immediately in prayer. We're not talking about that individual, you know, necessarily being an enemy of God. But we're talking about the person who lives in sin. Right. A lifestyle. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and we're not talking about a person who is... A, a serial rapist or a serial killer mm -hmm. or a bank robber on an ongoing basis. We're talking about somebody who is just not obedient to God's teachings, mm -hmm. not submissive to his will. That's right. 
neither are the aforementioned, but we're talking about the everyday person who's just living a lifestyle of sin. Yes, has not obeyed God, has not gotten their life straight through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. are holding back from being obedient, again, from being submissive to God's will. That person is living in sin. Right. You can make all kinds of excuses for it. You can talk about how much faith you've got and how much you love Jesus and all of that. You're living in sin right. when you're living in disobedience before God. And that puts you in the enemy's camp. Away from God. Yes, it does. In fact, Isaiah said in Isaiah 59 and verse 2 that our iniquities, our sins have separated us from God. Right. And that he doesn't hear us. That's right. Yes. Because, again, God and sin do not mix. Right. Can't have fellowship with him. That's right. God is totally righteous. He is absolutely light. And in him is no darkness at all. So if we live in sin, then we're not walking faithfully with God. We're not in the light with him. Mm-hmm. And we need to understand that. And we need to change our lives accordingly. So God is totally righteous. And God is the God of all grace. Now, stuck in that kind of state lost in our sin, no hope in and of ourselves, God, as we said, and it's so beautifully illustrated in Romans 5, verses 6 through 10, God sent Christ to go to the cross and die on our behalf. Mm -hmm. That's God's grace. That's right. That's right. We did not earn it. We did not deserve it, should not have expected it, but because God loves us, He sent Christ anyway, and that's grace. God is the God of all grace. We're going to have to stop here, come back in our next program, and continue this study of looking upward so that we can change our lives by God's grace. We would love to send you a copy of this entire series. All you have to do is contact us and ask for it. We'll put it on CD. We'll send it to you. And it is for the total cost of zero dollars. Nothing. Absolutely free. We want to get the word out. We hope to hear from you today.